But I'd like to take you there today, Philippians chapter number 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 4, and we're going to read down to verse number 9. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, and I believe the scriptures will also be on the screen here, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Wonderful scriptures, are they not? Let's ask the Lord's blessing upon this time together. Father, we are mindful of how much we need you, and I thank you for this moment right now as we come to the sharing of the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God. Oh, Lord, speak to hearts here today. I pray that you'd allow me to be just simply a vessel for the master's use. May it be that I wouldn't give my opinion, my thoughts, but I ask, Father, that truly the Word of God would be penetrate the hearts of men and women that are here today. You know the need of every heart. You know those that uh, feel like the joy of their life has been stripped away. They're worried. You know those that are here without Christ and are in desperate need of eternal life. And Lord, I pray that every need, that people would respond to the preaching of the Word of God and that you do a mighty work through this time. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love the first verse that I read, verse number four. And I think it really ought to summarize the life of a born-again Christian. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I'm looking out here today, and I'm looking at some smiles, and I'm looking at some frowns. Now, maybe that frowny face is maybe part of what is life for you because of the things that have gone on. But may I say today that for the born-again believer, we ought to rejoice in the Lord and rejoice always. But you say, Pastor... Didn't God understand Hurricane Ian that was going to come along? Didn't God understand and know about all the trials that we would face in this life? Of course he did. We serve a God that knows everything. And so the God that wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always, is a God that knew that trouble would come your way. And I'll have to say that as a born-again Christian for some 30-plus years, I have known Christ as my Savior, and it has been a life that has gone through some valleys and some heartaches and some troubles. But I'm here to tell you that when I've rejoiced in the Lord, it's brought such peace to my life. You know, that rejoicing in the Lord, though, is found in the same passage where the Bible says to be careful for nothing. 
Now, the reason a lot of us don't rejoice is because we have so much on our mind, we have so much before us that is causing us to be anxious. That's the idea of being careful, being anxious, worrying about things. I guarantee if I asked for a show of hands, how many of you worried about something sometime in your life, every hand would go up. If you didn't put your hand up, it's because right now you can't think of anything else to do but worrying about what's going on. But all of us have worried at some point or another. I think about worrying, and I think about the fact that uh, all of us worry about some things. I remember years ago, I don't remember what year it was, but my family of five, I have three children. The oldest is our, one of our staff members. I have another boy and a, a girl who's in college. And when they were all younger, we went with my wife's brother and his family. We went to Bush Gardens. And when we went to Bush Gardens, we were all excited to ride the rides. And at that time that we went, there was a brand new ride called Shikra. How many of you have been on the ride Shikra and are living to tell about it? Wonderful. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the ride Shikra, it's a ride that carries people up 200 feet at 45 degrees and then hurdles them down 70 miles per hour back toward the ground at a 90 degree angle. And it's one of those rides that when you get up to the top, it stops and you are literally looking straight down. Well, I remember going through the park there and uh, we're passing under the ride and boy, all my kids and everybody were looking at it and we went and did a couple of things and boy, we're having a good time. And my brother-in-law, Dan, the daredevil that he is, he said, John, he said, let's go on Shikra. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to appear afraid before my kids. You know, I wanted to be this tough dad like I could conquer anything. And my answer to him was, sure, I'll be glad to go. But truthfully, inside, I was worried about that ride. I, I thought that ride's going to kill me. But I, I reluctantly went, and I had this consternation now. I, I wanted to go because I wanted to act tough before my kids. But truthfully, my heart was racing 100 miles per hour. It was just, it was going strong. I got in the line. I remember being in the back of the line. I thought, I got my chance to get out. I can, I can get under here, and I can get out. But I thought, no, no, I got to stay. And then we're getting halfway through the line, and I kept thinking, all right, I, I can get out here. And I'll never forget, well, we're about almost to the ride. And my brother-in-law looked at me and he said, John, are you okay? <laughs> what I did not realize is that beads of sweat were forming on my forehead. My hands were all sweaty. I mean, I, I, I couldn't grab onto anything. My heart was beating. I mean, literally, you could see my heart beating through my shirt. Well, when we get on the ride, my brother-in-law doesn't want to ride in the back or the middle. He wanted to ride up to the front. We were about the second from the front there. And I could barely grab onto the front because my hands were all sweaty. And I'll never forget it taking us up. And I thought, okay, this is not too bad. We're going up. And then literally it hung you over. Now, there are some people that ride rides and are very relaxed. And they might go down the ride and go, oh, that wasn't me. My family could hear me. Ah! 
literally, the whole way down, my hands, sweaty hands, trying to grab that thing bar in front of me. My legs were straight out pushing. I, 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 I thought I was going to push a person in front of me out. But I'm telling you, the whole way through that thing, I was worried. You know why I was worried? Because when I got in that seat, I was no longer in control. I had no ability to control that ride. I had no ability to stop it. Do you realize we worry about a lot of things that we really have no control over? Think with me about the things that you've worried about this week that you truthfully have no control over. Aside from what we're going through right now, we worry about what friends might think or say about us. Some are worrying about retirement. Some worry about their children. Some worry about paying bills. Some worry about their job. We worry about the family life situation. We worry about tomorrow or about decisions that need to be made or already have been made. And I want to tell you something, that that worrying takes away the joy that should be a part of the Christian life. When we worry, we become self-absorbed. We no longer are interested in helping others, but we are so concerned about ourselves, and it causes us to be very restless, and it causes us to be distraught. People who worry suffer from a lack of sleep. They feel afraid. They bite their fingernails. They're, uh, they're, they're sometimes irritable. Uh, they have unusual mood swings. And that's what happens when we worry. And may I say that according to this passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, that when we worry, it robs us of two things that ought to be necessary of every Christian life. And that is, number one, the peace of God. And number two, the joy of the Lord. You see, a Christian ought to be characterized as a peaceful person. Everything around him may be going awry, but his trust is in the Lord and he has peace and he has that joy of the Lord. You know, joy is mentioned some 460 times in the Bible. And actually, in the four chapters of this book that we're looking at, the book of Philippians, it is found 18 times. Can I share with you a little bit about the joy of the Psalms? In fact, if I encourage people when they're depressed and down to begin reading through the Psalms. And I find that many of the Psalms written by David, who was going through some awful circumstances, he came back to finding his joy in the Lord. Listen to these verses, Psalm 511. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Psalm chapter 9, verse 2. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praises to thy name, O thou most high. Psalm chapter 9, verse 14. That I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Psalm 16, verse 11, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 20, verse 5, we will rejoice in thy salvation. Psalm 31, verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. 
Psalm 32, verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Psalm 35, verse 9, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 16, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Psalm 63, 7, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Psalm 67, verse 4, oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Do you think the psalmist talked a little bit about joy? I mean, I could continue going this morning, and that, that ought to be an encouragement to you about getting into the Psalms and reading these wonderful verses about joy. But it's interesting here when we look at Philippians 4, verse number 4 through 9, because we see this contrast, how we are to rejoice in the Lord, but yet the Bible says to be careful for nothing. That worrying, that anxiousness has the ability as a thief to rob the joy that should characterize you as a Christian. You see, the contrast is seen so clearly. The peace and joy that we ought to have, that's a feeling of gladness and a feeling of calmness that is based on what God is doing. It is robbed from us because of the worry That is, the absence of joy and peace because that person is pulled in different directions. It's interesting to look at verse number 6 to note this phrase, be careful for nothing. The word careful is an interesting word. It literally means to be pulled in different directions. In fact, the old English word worry had this idea. It meant to strangle. Oh, how many people in this life, because they're worrying, they're strangled. The joy's been strangled from their life. The peace has been strangled from their life. And all they're focused on is what is going on around them. And they're not focused on what God can and desires to do through you. So I want to encourage you something about being careful for nothing. That is, stop worrying. Now, that's a little easier said than done. Have you ever said to somebody, hey, stop worrying? And then the person says, well, if you lived in my shoes, you'd understand what I'm going through. But I want to tell you that when God says to be careful for nothing or to stop worrying, he doesn't just tell you to stop, but he gives you a prescription to actually overcome the worry and be able to then have that peace that you ought to as a Christian. I want to look at three things that are given here in this passage of Scripture that will help us to have victory over worry and to rejoice in the Lord. Notice verse number six. First of all, we are to exercise believing prayer. Exercise believing prayer. In other words, when I read this passage, here's the thrust that I get. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Worry about nothing, but pray about everything. Martin Luther, a few hundred years ago, actually said it this way, pray and let God worry. Now, I don't think God ever worries, but I think that's a pretty good statement here. Now, the subject of prayer is dealt with in this verse and throughout the scripture, and it is a very powerful tool for you and I who are getting the joy robbed from our life. What is prayer? You know, a lot of people have these magical definitions, these mystical definitions of prayer. Do you know what prayer literally is? Prayer is simply talking to God. 
Now, I am here preaching. I'm talking to you, if you will, and it's nice because I can see you. I can see your reactions. I can see your, your expressions on your face. But sometimes we have a hard time talking or praying to God because we don't see God. But I want to tell you something. God is real, and God hears the prayers of his people And as you pray, there are three specific things about prayer that I see in verse number six. In fact, three ways to go ahead and pray. First of all, notice in verse number six, he tells us, be careful for nothing, but in everything by the first word here is prayer. The word we would commonly use for prayer. Now, what is this word all about? This word portrays an act of worship, adoration, and devotion. Now, how many times, and I've been guilty myself, have we come to the Lord with our prayer time and we come to God as if we're bringing our shopping list? Lord, I need this. I need that. I need you to take care of this problem. Please make, don't forget this. Be sure to take care of this problem. And our problems are brought before God, but we never come and spend time adoring God. You know, when you read the Psalms, as I pointed out verses about the joy of the Lord, there are many Psalms that talk about us coming into the presence of God and truly recognizing who He really is. Do you know God today? Oh, you say, well, I know Him. He's my Savior. I I just recently have trusted Christ as my Savior. And you know, that's a wonderful thing. That's the first step to the Christian life. But I want to ask you this question. Do you truly know the God who saved you? Do you know his names that he's revealed himself in Scripture? There are so many wonderful ways that God has revealed them. And I believe that many in our Christian day do not understand God enough because they've not taken the time to get to know him. If you get into the Word of God and you spend time with Him, you'll get to know God. And when you come to the Lord in prayer, you ought to come with that adoration and devotion and come to the presence of God and just bask in who He is. Recognize the God who is able to help you rise above the circumstances. That's the God that you're to pray to. So exercise believing prayer by actually praying, adoring him, being devoted to him. But now notice the second word in verse number six. It is the word supplication. Supplication. Now the word supplication is the idea of sharing of our needs. Now first you and I ought to come to God by adoring him, but then we come with our needs. Some of us have that reversed. We just simply come to God with all of our needs and we dump it on the Lord and then we leave off praying. But my friend, I'll tell you, if you have the right order, that is you pray before God and adore him and then bring your needs. Oh, God has a desire to answer every need that you have. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ showed us what it was to supplicate before the Lord. I remember reading in scriptures numbers of times that passage where the Lord Jesus was in the garden right before his crucifixion. You know, it's amazing. The disciples were off asleep. He came over and found them asleep, asked them, could you not wait with me one hour? Could you not spend time in prayer? And yet the Lord goes back 
And the Lord didn't just kind of pray some little patty cake prayer. The Lord didn't come before his Father in heaven and just kind of pray some little ABC prayer. No, the Bible talks about him bringing his needs. Oh, Lord, if you could allow this cup to pass from me. And he prayed such a prayer that the Bible says that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. That's his coming. You know what our supplication is? We come for just a couple minutes. Oh, Lord, I need this, I need this, and then we're gone. My friend, I want to tell you, God desires that you come continually before him. You know why? That shows dependence. But notice the third word that is given here. It is the word thanksgiving. You know, there's always something to thank God for. You know, I shared a little bit about my coming to the church here. I had some damage in my home, nothing like many others that I have met and know in this church. But I came here, and my heart really sunk when I saw the damage that was here. But you know, I had to step back and say, Lord, there's always things to be thankful for. And I remember stepping out in the parking lot, and my wife pointed out to me, she said, look, the cross is still there. Now you say, preacher, that's something little. No, for me, that was big. That was big. That was God saying, I know there's a lot of devastation, but I'm still here and I will take care of you. You know how often we forget to thank the Lord? Jesus gave a parable about 10 lepers who he healed. And it's amazing that only one returned to give thanks I think that is very characteristic of our society today. We are people that are in the gimme stage. Give me, give me, give me. And when we get, we never give thanks for what we've received. You know what God's asking you to do? Give thanks to him for that which you've received. I wish I had time to turn here, but in Daniel chapter 6, you see all three forms of prayer in Daniel you remember when Daniel was there and the other princes that were around him got to the king and had a rule that was made that nobody could pray to any other God or any other being but to the king of that particular country. And what does it say about Daniel? Daniel did say, well, I guess I can't pray to God anymore. No, no. Daniel got down before God and the Bible says in verse number 10, he thanked the Lord and then he prayed and he gave his supplications. What a beautiful way of praying. So I want to tell you something, that if you're going to overcome the worry in your life, and you are going to have that joy of the Lord, you must first and foremost exercise believing prayer. Number two, I want you to notice verses seven to eight, and that is focus on proper thinking. Focus on proper thinking. Now, what a beautiful scenario is laid out for us in verse number seven. Let me read this verse again. And the peace of God. Now, look at this next phrase. Which passeth all understanding. You say, how, how are people uh, making it that have lost a whole lot of stuff? It's hard to explain. I'm not going to understand it all. But that's the peace of God. It passes all understanding. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what peace is to the believer? Peace is like a soldier that is standing guard 
and making sure that you're safe. Peace is that sentinel that while you're sleeping at night, make sure that all is well. And that's what God gives to the believer. He gives peace that passes all understanding that will keep your heart's mind. Now, the word keep is a word that we think of if we find something, we say, well, now I own it. I'm not giving it up anymore. That's not the word keep. The word keep is this idea of guarding. Now, think with me for just a moment. The Bible says the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds. Now, we understand about our mind, our thinking, but the heart You know, the heart is not in the Bible. Most of the time, the word heart is not referring to that organ that pumps blood in your body. The heart in the scriptures is actually the seat of my emotions, my will, and my mind. And what God is saying is, I will give you peace that will keep your heart and your mind. That is, it'll help you with all of your emotions, the decisions you need to make, and your thinking. Proverbs put it this way in chapter 4, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Oh, how often we have to fight against negative influences, don't we? Isn't it amazing? We've got negative influences all around us. Just turn on the TV for a half hour, and you'll find all sorts of negative influences. I remember watching TV. I I thought to myself, while I still had power as the storm was kind of rolling in our area, I thought, why are we watching the Weather Channel? (laughs) Seriously. The Weather Channel at this whole time is every bit negative. Oh, it's going to be bad. And yes, I, I understand it was bad. But I knew it was bad when Jim Cantore came down to Punta Gorda. I said, change the channel. If Jim Cantori comes to our area, it's, we're over. It's done. But I tell you what, I don't care what news channel you watch. I don't care what program goes on. It seems like there's everything negative around us. And we worry ever so much because we're focusing on the wrong things. We're feeding our mind. We're feeding our soul with all the negativity out there. And what God is saying is, you got to stop worrying. And the way to stop worrying is quit focusing on the negative and focus on the positive. Well, where's the positive? Right here. Right here. This is the Word of God. Can I say to you that this book has not changed? This book is here. It is stable. It is secure. It is a proper foundation on which I can build my life. Everything around me is changing. Everything around me, the ground underneath me is always shifting and and, uh, the sand is sinking. But I want to tell you, I've got a sure foundation in the Word of God. The Bible gives us in verse number 8, it tells us the things to think on, the things that are true. In other words, those are the things that that are not uh, false, that are not full of lies. Years ago, somebody did a survey on that which people worried about. 8% of the people worried about legitimate concerns, while 92% of the things people worried about were imaginary and they never happened. Can I give you a little piece of advice right now? You're waiting on things for your insurance. 
You're waiting on an adjuster to come. You're waiting on certain things. Maybe you've applied to FEMA and you're waiting on it. Can I say, until it happens, stop worrying. We focus on that which has not yet happened. Deal with it when it comes. The adjuster comes. The insurance comes through, and finally you realize what it is that you are going to get. Well, then you deal with that. But we tend to focus so much on the future of the things that haven't even happened yet. You need to focus on that which is true, that which is honest. In other words, respectable things, that which is elevated. You need to uh, focus on things that are just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtue. That is the excellence of praise anything that will call on the approval of God. And you know what he's telling us is to think on these things. So I want to encourage you, get into the Word of God. Shut your television off and get into the Bible. You say, I don't know where to start. Well, find somebody that knows something about the Bible and share with them. I would recommend you start getting in the Psalms. Just start at chapter 1 and start reading through. I'll tell you, when you start reading through the Psalms, it'll encourage your soul. But lastly, I want you to realize this. Number one, we need to exercise believing prayer. Number two, focus on proper thinking. But number three, get busy for God. Get busy for God. Now, I like these words in verse number nine. Would you look at them with me? Paul says, those things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. So let me stop for just a moment. Paul had been with the Philippian believers and had shared with them the Word of God. They had seen his life. He had shared the gospel with them. They had received it. He then taught them the Word of God. They learned the Word of God. They received the Word of God. They followed his example. And what Paul is saying here is, All the things that you have seen in me, that you have learned of me, that you have received of me, notice that two-letter word, do. Would you say that with me? Oh, come on. You got to do a little better than that. Ready? I'm going to put my hands up to my ears. Ready? Okay, that was better. Wonderful. Do. We are to do what God has asked us to do. You say, what is that, preacher? Sometimes every day right now just might be different. God may prompt your heart to speak to your neighbor about Christ. God might prompt your heart to go ahead and help with Samaritan's Purse for half a day or a full day and just to jump in to where then you can minister the gospel to somebody. I don't know what it is that God is going to ask you to do, but my friend, one of the sure ways that you can be a rejoicing Christian and not a worrying Christian is to be busy for God, to do the things that God has asked us to do. The Bible applied will give peace. Those circumstances and people and things go wrong, I can rely upon the Word of God as I follow Him. Now today, I understand that there may be some here today that are without Jesus Christ. The way, the sure way for you to have peace and joy and to overcome worry is to know verse number 7 He talks about the peace of God, but you know in other scriptures it talks about the God of peace. Do you know the God of peace? 
I'm not just talking about knowing him up here. I'm talking about knowing him right here. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've accepted him as your Savior. You've actually asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and become your personal Savior, and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you the first step to having the peace and the joy of the Lord is to know the God of peace. Now, to you that are saved here today, which I would think are by far the majority of the people, would you look at verse number 5 with me? I've preached this passage before, and many times I've skipped over this, but this is a very interesting verse. Notice what it says here. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And then it gives this phrase, the Lord is at hand. The word moderation is interesting. It means a gentleness, a reasonableness. In other words, as a believer... The question that has to be asked of you is, what are you showing to the world around you? Are you meeting with your unsaved neighbors and friends and family members, and you're constantly biting your fingernails because you're worried about what's going on? Do you think those unsaved people want to serve a God that you're serving that you can't even trust? Oh, you might trust them. You might trust God to give you eternal life, but you can't trust him to take care of all the things that are going on here. My friend, I want to tell you something. That doesn't show anything to the world around you. You need as a believer to exercise believing in prayer, focus on proper thinking, get busy for God, and then you'll have that reasonableness and gentleness to where you can show to the world around you that my God is worth serving. Yes, there may be problems, but my God is worth serving. Oh, I want to encourage you today to put your trust in Him. And if you're struggling today not having the joy of the Lord, to take this prescription of Philippians 4 and get back that joy of the Lord and stop worrying about the things that are going on. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, I thank you for today. I'm grateful for the work that you will accomplish right now in this time. I pray for those that are here today that are without Jesus Christ. May it be truly that they would know you as personal Savior. And for those that do know you, help them to take a hold of this prescription and to follow you with all their heart, to think the things that they ought to according to the Word of God. Exercise, believing prayer, get busy for God. Right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is a very solemn moment. Here at Calvary Baptist Church, we believe in something we call an invitation. In fact, we, it literally means that we invite people to make a decision for Jesus Christ. However, God's spoken to you right now. We want you to make a decision for Jesus now, truly, there's two groups of people that are here today. There are, first of all, there are those that are saved and there are those that are lost. Those that are saved are confident because of a time prior to today where they've trusted Jesus as their Savior, and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt when this life is over for them, they're going to heaven. That's the saved. But maybe you can't put your thumb on that, and you say, I don't know that I'm saved, preacher. Well, I'd like to invite you to Ask the Lord to be your Savior today.
If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have to first of all admit that you're a sinner. You have to ask the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God's Son, who died for you, who shed his blood on Calvary. In fact, they sang the song about the blood applied. Why did Jesus shed his blood? Because it was the blood of a perfect sacrifice for us. And that blood washes all of our sin away. And if you would place your total confidence and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone, the Bible says you can be saved. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not saved today and I'd like to be saved, I'd like to invite you to pray what we call a sinner's prayer. Now, understand there's no magic in any little words. This is not some hocus pocus, but this is something that you mean with all your heart. And I want to invite you today to pray that prayer. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and pray that a, a, a prayer that you could pray. And if you'd like to be saved today and know that you're on your way to heaven, I'd like to invite you to pray in your heart. As I pray out loud, you pray silently to yourself. Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I cannot save myself. But I believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross, was buried, and rose again to forgive me of all my sins. And right now, I'm asking Jesus Christ to forgive me of all my sins and become my personal Savior. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Please, nobody looking. If right now you're serious about this, you just prayed this prayer. I'm telling you with all my heart, the greatest decision that I ever made and the greatest decision you'll ever make is to receive Christ. And I just want to rejoice with you. I'll not call you out, but I want to rejoice with you. How many would say today, preacher, by uplifted hand, I'm lifting my hand right now, I just prayed that prayer. Anyone here today, preacher, I just prayed that prayer. God bless you. Anyone else here today, preacher, I just prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer today, I'd like to invite you in a moment to come. I'll be standing right in the front. I want you to come right to me, and I'll get you directed with somebody. We can get some material in your hand and rejoice with you in the decision that you made. May I just focus my attention to believers for just a moment? I trust that the majority of you here today know Christ is your Savior. Are you worried about what's going on? Sure, I understand it's a natural human reaction to be worried, but I'm telling you, God says that you need to stop worrying and you need to exercise believing prayer. Some of you are not spending time praying before God and really seeking his face. Some of you are focused on so much of the negativity. You've not spent time dwelling in his word, meditating upon scripture. And you need to make a decision today to not only begin praying, but to get into the word and focus on the right things. Some of you today need to get busy. 
You've been so wrapped around all your problems. You're so worried. You need to get busy for God. God. 